And actually, you could fail really badly when you're in a fast-paced environment like like the tech sector, for example. Mm. Um, and I've seen that happen because you will get criticised. You won't be at your best unless you have a manager that actually helps and supports you along the way. And not all they're not always they don't have time too. So that's been a massive learning for me. I mean, one boss of mine actually once said to me, "Oh, you should be not a marketer. You should be, you know, you should be running." female organizational you know companies because I was obviously into very like I've always been a supporter of DNI always been yeah. a supporter of women and actually that broke my heart when she said that to me hello and welcome to performance marketing unlocked the podcast from performance marketing world and today I am joined by Visha Kadale. She most recently was the director of business marketing for Amir at Pinterest, and before that was a lead marketer at Google and Thinkbox. Visha is a champion for women in industry as well as for diversity and inclusion initiatives, and has now founded her own podcast, Behind the Face of Success, where she unfolds the story of how each of her guests rose to success in their own careers. Hi, Visha. Welcome to the studio. How are you doing? Hi, Lucy. It's lovely to be here. And thank you for such a lovely introduction. Well, it's your experience that I'm just <laughs> giving back to you. But I thought you interview people uh, very regularly to hear about their successes. So let's have you on and hear about yours. Because as you point out in your podcast, and I love this, it's, it's not just the wins that make your success, it's the fails too. And so I wanted to ask you, what's the most valuable lesson that you've learned since you've worked at such amazing companies, Thinkbox, Google and Pinterest? That's a great question, because I, if you've uh, probably heard me speak about this before, I'm a big fan of lessons and a big fan of fails, but fails in the way that you've learned something from it, not just Mm -hmm. like let it sort of bring you down. And, you know, I've worked for very different types of companies, you know, a small company like Thinkbox, which is, you know, has uh, small in terms of like the organisational structure, but large in terms of its like footprint in the industry to going on to something like, you know, somewhere as big as like Google, where it was so huge that it took me a while to kind of figure things out. Um, even though I was highly experienced when I showed up there. So that's something interesting that I learned. Um, But the biggest lessons, I suppose, that I would say that I'd learned from is the fact that, you know, things look very different on the outside. So when I joined Google, um, you know, I joined because I wanted to learn more about the technology sector as a marketer. You know, I knew the broadcast world very well, but I really wanted to add more skill sets onto myself. So that's the reason why I joined um, or wanted to go more in that direction. And when I did, obviously I I had a very specific view of tech at that time. Mm -hmm. You know, thinking back, this was like, what, seven years ago that I uh, joined Google. And, you know, at that time there was lots of... um, you know, there was a lot of conversation around trust Mm -hmm. and how people felt about tech coming into the advertising space, how broadcast felt about tech coming into the Mm -hmm. advertising space. There was a bit of a, let's be honest, a bit of a a lot of fighting. Friction, yeah. (laughs) A lot of friction. I think it's still a bit frictionist. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) It still exists. I love that word. Let's keep it. Yeah. Um, But, you know, at that point when you... So, so you walk in with a certain sort of like, you know, perspective because that's what you've known. But coming into 
um, the technology sector and coming to somewhere like Google specifically, you know, there were so many different types of teams that exist that it's, you know, the one of the things I had to learn very quickly was how do I become a sponge? And it took me a while to get there, but there are so many teams within somewhere as massive as Google. So learning to be quite fast paced in how I approached work, learning to be more agile, learning to um, understand the teams, understand their goals was um, something I had to take on. And it's something that I've actually carried on in my experience with Pinterest, which is your internal network is huge. Like. To be able to be very good at your job, you need to understand your internal network. And that is being proactive and going and talking to other teams that actually could help you be better at your job because of the fact that you need to bring all of this stuff in when you have an out, you know, external role like mine. I was talking to the industry quite a lot on behalf of, you know, Google at that time and then Pinterest at the time I was there. So that was a massive um, learning for me, but also, one of the things now that I'm in this sort of, um, since I've left Pinterest, one of the things I've learned is to slow down a lot mm. because you're so used to working in such a fast-paced, agile ex like ex environment. You're moving at such a speed, you forget to breathe. Because you just lose track of the pace. It almost kind of, you climatise to it. You climatise to it, and that's the only way you know how to work almost. Mm. And, you know, we know this because our industry sort, sort, sort of almost like tells you to do this too. You need to know the next thing. You need to know about the metaverse as soon as it comes out. You need to know about AI as soon as it comes out. You don't know enough bur about burnout and you're a team lead, learn about it. So you have to be like always on top of your game. Mm. That's been an experience, but a lesson for me has been just, just to reflect on mm all of these things as well because you're sweeping on so many skill sets you don't really appreciate how much you've learned across that period too absolutely I mean I think people spend almost their whole careers trying to end up working at a place like Google or Pinterest a big big platform I mean in your experience is it is it worth the hype do you prefer working for a smaller company yeah I think it's worth the hype but this is this is the it's not for everyone no I think that's the thing as well I've had people and I've hired in people where I felt like perhaps there might be a good fit. And actually what what's happened is because they haven't really enjoyed the fast-paced nature or they almost become quite critical of themselves. And actually you could fail really badly when you're in a fast-paced environment like, like the tech sector, for example. Um, and I've seen that happen because you will get criticised. You won't be at your best unless you have... A manager that actually helps and supports you along the way and not all they're not always they don't have time too so that's been a massive learning for me I mean one boss of mine actually once said to me oh you should be not a marketer you should be you know you're not you're not doing so well in this you should be um you should be running female organizational you know companies because I was obviously into very like I've always been a supporter of DNI always mm -hmm. been a supporter of women and actually that broke my heart when she said that to me. And I could have taken that away and really thought, that's it, this place ain't for me. Yeah. You know, she's she, she knows what she's talking about. Instead, I really realized that I wasn't communicating myself very well. I let the cultural transition mm. impact my own, you know, expertise, my own learning. 
And actually I realized I wasn't communi communicating well. So I took that as a way of like, no, I'm gonna show you I'm, I'm, I'm really good at this. And then of course last year I won best leader in marketing. So, you know, it's, it's, it's never done. This is why I always talk about filtering the, the feedback a little bit as well. That's a great lesson to take from it though, because you know, you could either say, like you said, oh, okay, you know, maybe this isn't right for me. Or you could almost kind of react and okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna really fight and prove why, um, you know, I, I should be here, whatever. But I like your kind of, okay, maybe I'm not communicating right. There is something I do need to learn and change from this. Yeah. And that's communicating how I am a better or, you know, in the right place. Yeah, absolutely. And another thing I felt like, you know, you, part of your question was about, like, how did you feel about small versus large? And actually, when I moved to a large company, I went back to Thinkbox and I went to speak to Tess Alps. Everybody knows Tess Alps. And I asked her a question of like, oh, do you think I'm actually going to be good at this? And she was just like, you know, think about think about it this way. You've worked in a small company. You've worked, you know, you work in a big company. Then you might go to a medium sized company. And then you might think you might want to go back to a small company. You've got to try it and see if it fits mm. and it, no it sounds like I'm the, the Goldilocks of like you know moving <laughs> around companies but it was like it was the way she sort of like said that to me which was like this is part of your career experience so go and give it a go mm. and the best thing I think I've have gained when I worked for somewhere like Thinkbox is because I, I became a jack of all trades by the time I left mm. you know I was head of marketing I'd run tv ad campaigns I'd run um bigger war shows I'd run big events I'd done promotional content. I worked with you guys quite a lot as well at Haymarket. So there was a ton of things that I did. And then when you move to somewhere like tech, you become quite niche in a specific role and become an expert within that. And then, you know, so there's, I, I think there is so many lessons to be learned about going somewhere smaller first to mm. sweep in all the things that you should be knowing. Because if you go all in on a in a large company, and you stay in that large company for what, 20 years, you will only know what that company has taught you. Yeah, You yeah. will never know how to be a great writer. You will never know how to be a great, you know, I wrote scripts when I was at Thinkbox. You know, we did, we made our own films. I learned about production. Not something I would have learned if I moved straight away into a job at Google where I would have learned, you know, I would have hired someone in because yeah. you would have had the budget to do that. So I think there's, I would always recommend for someone to just go and try something new. And if it doesn't fit, try something else. Brilliant. Well, thank you. Well, without further ado, let's begin the podcast and ask you, what is getting your attention in the moment in the industry? Something that's actually quite, um, obviously everyone's felt this this year in 2023, which has been um, sort of the layoffs that have been happening specifically in tech, which has grabbed most of the news, but it's also happening in different companies. I guess like tech's taking a lot of the heat um, off some of the other businesses um, too. And I've seen a lot of brilliant marketers um, out there that have senior marketers actually that have been, you know, gone through this process. But really what I think has um, made me feel quite sad about the whole thing is the fact that there's a lot of sort of more junior marketers that are holding the fort within some of these companies that I you know feel like have now embraced quite a difficult company culture have had to do take on their bosses jobs almost and I've also this again goes back to talent which is I I worry a little bit about the sort of 
the, the there's a bit of an experience in it or a skills deficit happening mm-hmm. where Absolutely, you know yeah. your job as a leader is to support and help grow teams like give them the experience guide them nurture them mm-hmm. and one of the things I'm sort of seeing right now is the fact that that's sort of missing a little bit and you know also more and more teams more and more you know marketers are becoming a little bit more siloed in the way that they're operate so you know so the brands team might not talk to the social teams for example or whatever else and if you are not if the more we become siloed in our jobs the harder it is to grow the next generation of marketing leaders and I think that's the thing that I'm sort of like seeing or Mm. probably speaking to more people about versus like Seeing, I'm always surprised about the siloing in the industry because, yeah. I mean, we've been to millions of events, marketing events, and it's such a common topic that people talk about, about the separation between brand and media teams. But, I mean, like you say, it's only getting more siloed as people are laid off, potentially. Like you were saying, when I speak to people and they come on the podcast and, you know, they work on the performance side and they say, we do brand building, but we don't speak to the brand team. It doesn't make any sense, really. Yeah, it doesn't um, make sense. Yeah. And I, I agree. And I actually, I think this is where um, everything, I mean, ultimately, advertising is all about trying to get somebody to think, feel, and do something. Mm-hmm. That is performance. Everything is about the action. Unfortunately, a lot of teams don't talk to each other and there seems to be a bit of a like distaste between not a distaste like I would say like um so think, is there a competition do you think yeah I think probably a little bit of a hierarchy of orders sometimes as well and mm-hmm. and I wonder if it's because of the fact that you know the sort of the performance teams are seen as a bit more go-to-market really it's just mm-hmm. like somebody creates something here on one side and it's like give it to the go-to-market team um they should all be speaking to each other all the time that's probably why we get such awful you know targeted marketing on social let's yeah, be honest yeah, yeah. they should be communicating some sort of a story to us but it is a bit more like buy my stuff and <laughs> less emotional and performance you know like this is the thing about like digital advertising it should have some heart to it but mm. it's not connected to the heart sometimes I don't know but I mean completely right I mean you only have to look at a few case studies to see the ones that work well are the ones where it the story is seamless from beginning to end, from brand to performance side of the marketing team. Yeah. And they work together. Yeah. But let's move on and hear about what you think is overrated and underrated in the industry. So, Visha, why don't you choose what you'd like to start with? So, just because this actually goes on from what we just talked mm-hmm. about, um, I think something that's overrated, underrated should I say it always trips people up it does. It, yes. oh so which one's the good one? <laughs> <laughs> oh god I was gonna say something that I feel is underrated is long form marketing mm-hmm. long form content should I say and the reason being is because since um going through experience of uh running my own podcast you run yours so brilliantly the fact that you create a piece of content that might be 30 minutes long or and um, an hour long or whatever it might be there is so much within that that is a brilliant story however I don't see um, great marketing around long-form content mm-hmm. enough in 
the marketing and advertising community. And that's because of the fact that we got so used to short term thinking, you know, and that is also a little bit of, you know, the fact that a little bit of the fault of the fact that, you know, tech companies, for example, would create um, formats that are short. So, you know, this, you know, six second ads or, Mm -hmm. you know, on Instagram, you can only put up to what, like a minute of content or whatever it might be. So we're so used to creating short term stuff that actually being able to create a marketing plan for long form content is actually a little bit more difficult than you think. Um, And I would... I also think because of the fact that we go go through this process of one and done camp, you know, create a campaign, off you go, they and it's done. We forget to repeat ourselves a little bit so that something sticks. So I think it's um, I think what I would love to see more of is um, more teams really understanding how to sweat the asset, sweat that long form content that you've got, mm. and really market the hell out of that and. It, 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 it's a it's a whole unique mindset shift, if I'm honest with you, because we're not used to it. And I do think sometimes we do get used to a bit of like lazy marketing too. Like I hate to say it this way, um, probably a bit controversial, but we do get a little bit stuck in what we think we know, but we haven't quite yeah. fully been inquisitive about what could really work. Like somebody gave me a... I mean, this is a bit like random, but um, for my <laughs> birthday, I got given a uh, Vogue magazine from the 80s um, and I was going through the ads and the amount of long form copy that was written in the ads was fascinating wow. to me. And the way that those ads were portrayed, like, of course, we potentially might not be writing that much within a press ad, for example. But I sat and read it. <laughs> I found it really Was that the marketer in you, do you think? Yeah, yeah, maybe. But also, I think we also slowed down probably back then. And be- this is my whole thing about the fact that we're just, it's such a fragmented media landscape that everything feels like it needs to be five seconds long. And that's, I guess, the challenge, I, I suppose, is, and I'm, I'm challenging myself in this, by the way, mm-hmm. not just um, the industry, it's more about the fact that, you know, how do you get a full story told in a world where we're so used to short-term thinking? It's, it's. I find it quite terrifying, actually, because, uh, you know, people will be watching watching a movie whilst having to be on their phone and doing something else at the same time because our attention spans are so short. And that's why, you know through uh, the rise of social and everything else, we just expect this content so quickly. I mean, I even know that when I'm editing the podcast, I'm creating um, 60 second clips. I'm thinking, God, is 60 seconds too long? Is that enough to grab someone? You're right, it's this mindset shift of almost going backwards, going, going back to before a time where we expected to be entertained in seven seconds or less and reframing that to audiences. And I've had that terrifying moment too when I've done uh, posted something and I'm like, oh God, no one's going to pay attention to this if it's longer than a minute. Mm. And then I think back to the story, right? And like, how powerful is your content? How much thought have you given this? Like, if you think about a movie, it is 60 minutes. They're about 60 minutes, aren't they? Or, I think they're longer. That's, no, that's they're a short film these that's days. That's a short film. Oh, I, oh actually, yeah. yeah. A, a Netflix episode is about um, 60 minutes. Mm. But like, you're so interested in the story and you want to follow that story. So it's kind of, 
I guess I'm trying to learn a little bit from the movies, which is, you know, they create trailers, they create the hype, and you've seen what's happened with 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 Barbie, Barbie and yeah. how they've people still go watch the full piece of content because they're interested in the story. Yet mm. there's been so much out already leaked before people showed up to the cinema. So I don't know. I think I'm just a bit more of a die hard about being the storyteller and worry less about whether someone's going to stick with the full minute if they really care they will stick with it i think no i i'm i'm completely on the same page because i think to me and this might be me being very over dramatic here but <laughs> i think not being able to stick around for the story kind of shows that there's a lack of wanting to understand people in that way. You're understanding human interactions and understanding people in that longer form content. So moving to, you know, prioritising shorter form content for, you know, getting your attention really quick makes me think that people can't be bothered to connect anymore. Yeah. Maybe I'm being a bit overdramatic there, but... No, I don't think you... I don't think you're being dramatic. I think this is where we as marketers have to really think about the use of channels mm. and also and, and I'm not just talking about just using TikTok or using you know Instagram but like how do you consume media on all content at the moment and is a combination of let's say audio and video that is visual and audio combined is so so powerful or again to your point about grabbing somebody um quickly with um, a short TikTok video and then like something a little bit longer on Instagram, something a little bit longer on another channel. But really, this is where I think we should spend a bit more time really understanding channels and making sure that our content fits for those channels because people, we're all so different, aren't we? Yeah. You may have no time at all. I might be sitting there reading my old Vogue magazine very like, <laughs> well, I've got some time so I can listen to this. So, but you don't want to, I suppose it's more about um, thinking about the audience. Always, always thinking about the audience first with this. Mm. Yeah. Well, that's what you think is underrated. Mm. So let's go into overrated. What do you think is getting too much attention at the moment and needs to be replaced by your, your underrating at the moment? Uh, again, I think I'm going in a flow here. Under Overrated. God, why am I? <laughs> People Sticking really struggle because I think yeah, it's kind of a an opposite in a way. But anyway, uh, I need another coffee. Um, <laughs> Overrate, I think, is Stephen Bartlett. <laughs> I, I'm so glad you said that. Oh, I'm happy to With hear two that podcasters in a room. What do you think of his podcast? I I, I started off loving him. Mm. I'll be honest. So I really, I, yeah. really started off loving him, and I think I don't know the purpose of those podcasts anymore. And um, so I, I just feel like they, I think what's really bugging me, I st I've stopped kind of listening to a lot of them, but I think they're getting longer for, for a start. And this is hilarious because I've just talked yes, about long <laughs> content, but I mean like two hours or two and a half hours. But I, I think what really is He's bugging me. He's doing a Christopher Nolan, isn't he? Yeah. He's like, oh, come watch my film that's three hours long. <laughs> three hours long. And you know, what's really bugging me is the clickbait content. I think that's the thing that's really annoying me at the moment where there are just so many cliffhangers and it's I just I'm just like just tell me what it is just mm -hmm. tell me what it is instead of like it stops at a certain point and I I'm not a big fan of clickbait marketing mm -hmm. so I think that's the reason why I'm just sort of going Ugh, no thank you um, and it's sort of putting me off and I, and what's really frustrating is I know that a lot of people do love it 
And it, it, it probably fits, again, this goes back to audiences, probably fits a specific type of audience. But because I'm being inundated with a lot of that content at the moment and it's everywhere, it's becoming increasingly frustrating. But though, I'm now interested to know why, what you think. Well, I it's, it's the clickbait thing again, because I, at the beginning, I really enjoyed his interviews. I thought he got great guests. He made them tell great stories and he made them really open up and I really enjoyed that. And then after a while, it was the titles of the epi- these episodes. Maybe it is kind of connecting into this, people won't watch a longer form content unless they're shocked or, you know, su- massively surprised. And the titles were, you know, things like, you'll never guess what this guy said about <laughs> this. And it's like, oh, I feel like that's a kind of a pop-up ad that's being, you know, yeah. shoved at me on some weird site. Do you know what I mean? And I think if you're expecting us to listen to a very long podcast I'd like the effort put in to the title as well yeah. something that's really gonna connect with me rather than shock me in quite a cheap way agree and you know what you just sorry re- Stephen yeah sorry Stephen we love you Stephen um, <laughs> do come on the pod <laughs> if you want <laughs> Um, you know, actually, you just reminded me of this lovely phrase that Paul Felbeck once said um, about advertising, which is, you know, an ad should be a delightful guest in your home. And at the moment, the way you just ex- expressed how you felt is like it's not a delightful guest in, in on your feed or in your home or in your personal space, which is where bad digital advertising comes about, right? It's not a delightful guest. So I think, you know, again, this is where we need to go back to storytelling, enhancing people's lives. And I think clickbait content or clickbait advertising is just not the way to do it. Mm. Yeah, But also, it's not an ad. It's It's the title, it's the content itself. So why is it behaving like an ad? When in an era where people hate advertising more than ever, which doesn't make any sense. And you're right, it's, we've been talking about the siloing of, you know, branding and performance team. But if they work together, if your performance yeah. marketing acts like brand marketing, people are going to, well, in my experience, are going to appreciate it more and engage with it a lot more. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Teams need to talk to each other. Yeah. We have come to the Resell Me a Pen Challenge. Oh, no. <laughs> you grab your stomach with nerves <laughs> but the, uh, this uh, everyone gets so terrified out this I feel bad about putting it at the end of the podcast actually I should probably put it at the beginning to get it over and done yeah. with but here we are how do you feel about your task with the telegram yeah I found that a really interesting one actually I quite like the idea of a telegram but I'm a little bit old school so I'm just like yeah mm-hmm. bring it on although I have to say I have to confess I, I don't ever see myself as a seller. I see myself as a marketer. So I'm going to try and have a crack at this um, and this, see how we go. Mm, yeah, this was this was this task was chosen by our last guest, Adam Walker, the global digital marketing lead at Duffrey. And everyone says that. Everyone says I'm not a seller. I'm a marketer. So you're in you're in good competition then compared to everyone else. So let me get my uh, timer out. <gasps> Oh my god, timer. Oh yes, oh. sixty seconds only. And it's pretty uh pretty tough. So you I'm know to talk it fast. goes it goes quickly, I'll have you know. But when you are ready, Visha, resell me the telegram. Okay. Right, okay, I'm gonna go for it. Okay, Lucy, take a walk with me for a second. In a world that is full of reliance 
on the internet, on Wi-Fi. Think about the time that you've had a video call and then you've, the Wi-Fi is broken and you are feeling frustrated. Uh, we are so heavily reliant on communicating via the internet. What if there's a world where we don't have the internet or Wi-Fi? You know, if there's one thing that American hyped up films have taught us, there could be evil variants from the multiverse that would show up to Earth and take over the world and kill our internet. And we need to communicate with people and our loved ones from across the world or create our own little Marvel team. So in comes the telegram which was created in the 80s, like 1800s actually, should I say. <laughs> um, and um, so we all need one of these in our homes and so that we are able to communicate with each other and fight the variants. That is what I think. So I think we need uh, one. So I think it's a worldwide problem actually. And that is time. <laughs> Oh, I feel so silly. <laughs> and now I revealed what a geek I am because I'm such a, I'm so interested in Marvel. <laughs> oh, that was brilliant. Okay, okay. So let, let's let's unpack that technique. Oh God, I do enjoy the silliness. <laughs> no, you have to. You have to get into it though. Like, like I said, we've had some very odd things be sold on 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 this show, um, and some very different efforts. You know, sometimes they've got me involved and they've asked me questions. I'm like, oh, please leave me out. <laughs> Oh, do you know why that is? Because of the Wolf of Wall Street. Yes, yeah, yeah. Because that's where we've stolen. Everyone. Yeah, mm. but that's what he says, doesn't he? Like the only way to sort of really sell something is to find out what that person wants. Yeah. But I don't think anybody wants a telegram. They have to realize. Well, don't undo your work. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Unless they think that there's going to be no internet, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and this is our safety net to protect ourselves and communicate with each other. That's what mm. I think. Have one in your basement, everybody. <laughs> you never know. It is. I mean, it very well could happen. I wouldn't be surprised if the internet just suddenly disappeared one day because it's, it freaks me out a little bit sometimes. Yeah, but now that's got me thinking, what would we do if we did that? We're just going to have to, like, talk to your neighbours. So, well, this is a lesson to be nice to your neighbours, I suppose. Mm -hmm. <laughs> do you know what? I would have loved to have seen a strategy in there for, for the marketing oh, side. yeah. That, that would have really kind of... Give, At, given the edge. I love the ethos. I love the storytelling. But actually, to your point, one of the things, well, I can't cheat now because you've, you've done, I've done the it. six. But if I did, I would actually have used TikTok as the main media channel. Do you know why? Because, and I think this is a personal thing, I have found that one thing that TikTok has done really well is made us rediscover the old. And mm -hmm. like, if you think about all the music from the past that have come in, like, it's almost as if Gen Z's have gone, well, they have rediscovered everything. So I'm like, on my TikTok feed, I'm listening to music that I wouldn't have expected m myself to listen to, or like mm. rediscovered 80s music, or rediscovered music from way, way in the past that, you know, TikTokers are using to like almost create challenges with. So I think from a place of like recreating the old into the new, I think that's a great channel to use on the back of that. But I can't say that now. That would have been a real uh, good thing to put in your 60 seconds. Sure. Uh, I'm afraid Give me to a bonus say, point. Come on, Lucy. You have not resolved me the telegram. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I was, I was, I was impressed. I was pleased. I, I liked the, uh, the use case, but I think we just needed a little a, strategy, a strategy to get it, get it off. But what have you chosen for our next guest? Um, so I have chosen the Nokia, 
5146. I'm, I know I'm being very specific about But only that one. The Why I'm being specific about it, because I used to love that phone so much, because it used <laughs> to change, the covers used to change. Um, and I used to, yeah, it was my phone when I was in um, college. So that's the one I've chosen. Brilliant. In a world where we're so used to smartphones. How are you going to do that? That's good. I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing that one. Well, <laughs> Visha, thank you so much for coming on today and talking about storytelling, people, connecting with your team. All of it's so important. And it's been great to hear all of your thoughts today. Thank oh, you very thank much. You. Thank you very much for having me. No worries at all. I have an exciting announcement for you. The registration for PMW Unlocked 2024 is now open and we will be back in London next March for our annual two-day extravaganza. Plus, we have a very special but limited offer for you. If you work in-house for a brand or retail company, you can register for free. Tickets normally cost 195 quid but we are offering our first few tickets free of charge to qualifying marketers. Thank you very much for listening to Performance Marketing Unlocked. We hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. If you want to get in contact, join the PMW Unlocked LinkedIn community where you can ask questions, interact with polls, meet the speakers and engage with the podcast in any way you like. But thank you for listening. Don't forget to like, follow, subscribe. And if you want to find out more about the news from the performance marketing industry, subscribe at performancemarketingworld.com.